This is Jason Fisher with Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with Mike Brooks and Matt Miller about our topic, containers versus serverless architectures. In this discussion, we're going to talk about the major differences, the pros, cons, and trends. I'm a manager at Centric Consulting, been on both the business and technology side, but about this topic, I know very little. So I'm going to turn you over to the experts and introduce Mike. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Mike Brooks. I'm a senior architect with Centric Consulting. Been with Centric for about 11 years and building a variety of apps and a variety of technologies. And I find containers an exciting technology. And Matt? Matt Miller, I'm an architect at Centric Consulting. Uh, worked on both projects where we used containers and more recently serverless. Uh, and the most recent one actually uses both. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to talk about this today. All right, and now on to our topic. Okay, guys, when it comes to containers versus serverless, Give me the high level, what's the difference and similarities between the two? I'll speak to containers and let Matt talk to servers, they're serverless. Containers are, are basically a, a lightweight, standalone execution environment for your apps. So they have a complete operating system, your app, and all of your application's dependencies, including network. And basically they're an environment that you can run your apps in a cluster them, basically scale up. Okay, so they're completely self-contained, hence the name containers. Right. Okay. And Matt? So serverless kind of takes that a step further, and really the only thing you care about uh, is your code. So a lot of people say serverless, but there's actually servers involved. Yes, there are servers and serverless, but the idea is that you don't care what server that you're running on, and that's all managed by the cloud provider, whether it be uh, AWS or Microsoft Azure or Google Cloud. You just you write your, your code and you deploy it to the cloud and they manage how it gets run and scaling and all that for you. Okay, and what are the pros and the cons of each one of these? Like when would you use one versus the other? Containers are, are great for if you, your application has a, a dependency that's sort of custom or you don't want to change the way your app is constructed and you want to just quickly move it to the cloud. Um, containers allow you to basically take a, an OS that would normally run on a virtual machine and run it in a container like a Linux OS. Uh, there's lots of Linux distributions um, that you can build containers on. There's also Windows distributions that you can build containers on. It's ideal for a, a scenario where you, you know, if you have some complex dependency that you can't uh, move to serverless or you don't want to take on the expense of reconstructing your app to fit a, a serverless solution. Um, it's also good if your you know, cloud strategy is to be cloud agnostic. There are lots of cloud providers that, that support container hosting. If you choose to use containers, you can pretty easily move from provider to provider. So you're basically putting that container on somebody else's shelf, and it doesn't matter what shelf it is as long as it holds it up. Right, because the, the container is based off of an image, and that image is based off of other images, which are the operating system, you know, which is your dependency, and then you add your app to that base image and create a new image from it. And okay. Your app and, and all its dependencies. Okay. And so what about serverless? What are, the, what are the pros and cons there? One of the main pros anyway is that you don't have to think about anything related to servers. So normally you'd have somebody responsible for patching maintenance upgrades on your servers. You don't have to think about any of that. The cloud provider takes care of that for you. The ease of scaling so if your code's getting hammered, the business released a new product and everybody's visiting your site, it's just gonna automatically kick in without you having to think about it or you know, manage resources. 
you can set upper limits and lower limits to how much it'll scale to monitor your cost. Uh, but you don't have to think about cost. Uh, all you have to think about is uh, your code. Another pro is that you can be up and running really quickly. You don't have to care about your operating system either. You can write your code and deploy it to your cloud provider within 15 minutes or so. Some of the cons of serverless are that, you know, not all languages are supported out of the box. Uh, it's not terribly easy to migrate existing applications to this model. It's kind of almost really impractical and almost impossible. It's fairly new. Um, so some of the cloud providers' frameworks are still maturing. So if I have an existing application now, you're saying it's not easy just to like, okay, lift and shift that if I want to move it out to Amazon or Google or Azure. Yeah, you not, have to kind of rewrite a lot to make that happen. Not in a, yeah, not in a serverless model. You got to you got to think about the code a little bit differently. Normal apps, uh, server apps, you you've got something that's always on and always running, waiting for requests, and that that doesn't exist in a serverless world because. When nobody's using your app, nothing is running and you're not getting charged for any resources, okay. any computing power. And from a, a cons perspective, for containers, the, quite the opposite of that. So your containers are, are up and running on infrastructure. So you're paying for the, the compute. If you're in, a, in an Azure environment, um, you're paying for the, the usage that, because they're, they're up and they're constantly running unless you tear them down explicitly on a, on a schedule or you leverage the environment to tell you when to tear it up and tear it, to build it up and tear it down. And some of the other you know, cons of a, a container solution is you're, you're, you still have infrastructure to, to a degree, right? So they're running on virtual machines. They have to be patched. You're running, your containers have to be patched because your containers are built off of a, a Linux or a Windows image that image is a is of a fixed version of that operating system. So if there's a security patch that comes along, you have to rebuild the image based on the new version of Windows or the new version of Linux. So you're you're still on the hook for for your patching, um, and the the infrastructure itself is a little bit challenging to to stand up. So it's not that straightforward. So it's not just as easy to say I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a container environment today. Building the container is one thing that's pretty pretty easy. It's it's building up the infrastructure to, to cluster your app and and, and uh, set up the network. And you know, typically your apps are fairly complicated. They may have a database dependency or services uh, dependency. So you're you know you're essentially responsible for wiring those up as well. Um, there, there's technologies that make that a little bit easier, but like a Docker Compose, which is essentially will stand up a stack of containers. Still, you, you have to explicitly define what those dependencies are and what the, the images that you want to build those dependencies from. So there's some setup. It's, it's not an uh, instant solution out of the box. Right. And did I hear like all languages are supported or some aren't? Uh, something, but yeah, out of, the, out of the box, they support a lot of language, but uh, at least AWS and I think Azure, AWS fairly recently, um, allows you to uh, implement your own language runtime as a layer if you have some crazy sort of less mainstream language that you really want to use you can actually write your own language runtime to deploy your application in a serverless model okay what are the kind of things business structures of when i would think from, from the business perspective when would i want to think serverless or container or at least have some idea of what, what my architects are doing i can trust them to make the right decision but 
what kind of environment would we be thinking one one direction or the other? So kind of try and provide a recent relevant example that my latest project, uh, we've actually got some code deployed using a serverless architecture and some, some of the code we're using containers. The code that we've deployed using containers, they have a lot of dependencies on stuff that's on-premise at the client, stuff that's been written, you know, not with a serverless model in mind. And it needs to be always on, um, kind of checking these various systems that are deployed on-premise at the client. We're writing that software, we're deploying it in a container in their data center. So it's always on watching. And then when it needs to interact with the rest of our system, we've implemented a event-driven architecture. So when it needs to interact with the rest of the system, we've deployed a event-driven architecture where it can emit events that then get pulled into our serverless model. So we've got our serverless code sitting out in the cloud it, and it's waiting to hear things from all of these uh, containers that we have deployed on-premise. So they can live together. It's not pick one or the other. It's just the, the situation kind of called for containers in one area of the application uh, where the rest we could use serverless and really provide a lot of cost savings. So the, the serverless part of our architecture, if nobody's using it, they're not paying anything for it. So you kind of balance the pros and cons for your specific situation to get the best of both worlds, right? Right. And so, what are we seeing? What are we seeing as far as trends in this space? What are what direction are things going? Who are some new players? What are you guys hearing who are closer to it? So, in the container space, they're trying to make things easier in terms of building your entire stack and and treating your stack as an immutable image. But Docker as a container uh, is probably one of the more predominant container technologies. You, in Docker, you create an image. A stack is, is essentially a set of containers running different images to fulfill your whatever your application is. So if it's, you may have a .NET MVC app running in one container, and it may have dependencies on services, and it may depend on a database. So all of those can be built as images and hosted as a stack using Docker Compose. That is essentially you're you're sort of rebuilding that each time as you as you promote that from environment to environment to make it easier to to move that stack through your environments. They've they've introduced this concept of stack bundling, which is essentially t- taking that bundle of images uh, or or the, the stack of the images as you you, know, you build your app and, and turning that into something that is essentially like a Docker image. So that you basically take that whole stack and you know move it from dev to test and, and let your QA folks bang on it for a while, and then when they're ready to move that entire stack to production, you can you can very easily do that. Cool. The other thing in uh, Docker specifically is um, the image sizes can slow down your process. So the larger the image size, the the slower it takes or the longer it takes to, to actually build and create the image and, and deploy it. So one of the things that they're they're doing is uh, essentially squashing. It's an experimental feature currently in Docker to essentially squash the images as small as it possibly can get. Like and zip for your sort of like files. A, you can think of it as like compressing your your image. If you build on top of that image, that will speed things up. Okay. In the serverless world, the cloud providers are adding features all the time. You know, AWS is adding support to trigger their Lambda functions, which is their their serverless function model. Adding new triggers, new ways to call your code all the time. 
there's a lot of serverless frameworks that make working within serverless and creating your functions and deploying your functions easier. Uh, they're adding new features all the time. And I mentioned before the language support. Uh, so AWS, you can basically implement any language now, but the other providers are adding similar support. Mike mentioned earlier, if you're trying to be cloud agnostic, uh, you might want to go with containers because it doesn't really matter where you're hosting your images. IBM's cloud offering, OpenWhisk, it's open source. You can download it and deploy it on-premise, so you can have kind of your own cloud environment and your own data center where you can deploy your serverless model but just on your own data center. So that's kind of interesting right now. I think they're, I think they're the only maybe one or two so you can People run your own serverless environment on your own on-prem servers. servers. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure I understood that correctly. <laughs> um, so that, you know, some people were really diving into that and starting that, but you lose a lot of the benefit of serverless not maintaining your servers, but that's, that's also a pro for right. some people. Are we seeing any big advantages from one cloud provider to another? Is there, I don't do a lot with any of those, but is there a big difference between AWS, Azure, uh, open whisk they would lead you towards one or the other me personally no they all kind of offer really similar solutions flavors are a little bit different i've worked on just just recently my last project was in aws my current one is in azure and slight differences but at the end of the day you can do serverless and you can deploy to containers and you can stand up virtual machines it's all all pretty much it pretty right. much the same. I mean, you, you can run SQL Server on as a, a you know, platform as a service in AWS. So you know, there, as an example, so there's a lot of the, the offerings that used to be specific to one cloud provider or another as a PaaS offering. Um, as a what offering? Uh, sorry, as a, as, a PaaS, as a platform as a service. Okay. You're seeing them in both leading cloud providers, although I can't speak to Google. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody can. Is there anything I should be asking about that I'm missing? Nope, then I've done yeah. my job. This has been the Centric Biz and Tech Talk podcast. Check out centricconsulting.com slash blog to see more podcast information and learn more about our thoughts on various business and tech topics. Feel free to follow Centric on social media to see what we're up to. Social media links are all on our website. And as always, thanks for listening.